I think that's all the announcements. So if you guys will pray with me, we'll jump into the message. Lord, we came here to hear your voice this morning. That's why we're here is because we believe that your word is holy. We believe your word has the ability to change our life, Lord. That's what, that's what you told us. And so, Lord, I pray that you speak this morning, that I am accurate to who you are, that I represent who you are well, and that each of us who are here leave with something really tangible from you, Lord. We pray this in your name. Amen. So we're finishing up the Beatitudes today, and I know this was kind of a, a shorter chunk of Scripture, and we've, we've done longer ones, but it just felt right to kind of, as we're getting towards the end of summer and we're easing into fall, to do something a little bit shorter that we can really zero in on. And, and as just a recap to what we've talked about so far, this is a, this is a sermon, part of the Sermon on, on the Mount that Jesus gave, and this was specifically for his disciples. It said that he saw the crowd, but then he turned and started teaching his disciples. And that's all of us. I, I know I've said it every single week, and that's on purpose. We're all called to be disciples. None of us are called to be just a face in the crowd. And we're all actually called to ministry. Maybe you're not called to be up here. Maybe you're not called to have any sort of fancy title. But that word ministry just means to serve, to serve others, to use the gifts that you have to serve others. And we're all called to that. And so this is a teaching that Jesus gave specifically to his disciples to get them ready for what he was calling them to do. And so hopefully for all of us, we want to hear this because we're called to be his disciples and we are called to ministry in some way. And so we talked about blessed are the poor in spirit. We talked blessed are the meek. Last week we talked blessed are the merciful, those who forgive. And that was a little bit of an uncomfortable message on forgiveness, but it was a very scriptural message on how that unforgiveness is kind of some garbage that can get in our hearts and really affect how we even perceive God in our life. And so today we're finishing this up, and I think this is something very specific for today. And this is Matthew chapter 5, verses 10 through 12, and this is the end of the blessed ours. This is what Jesus says. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you, because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now that's a little bit of a longer part, but it all talks about this big word, persecution. And, and maybe with everything that's going on in the world right now, and there's a lot of, a lot of unrest, and, and we got through the season of COVID, and, and that was really, really weird for the church trying to figure that all out. And this word persecution has been coming up a lot more. And so it's, it's a time that we need to talk about what, what does Jesus really say about persecution. But before we even get there, did you guys notice that the language changed in this last part? That, that Jesus gave all the Beatitudes very similar, but then something changed right here at this part. In all the other Beatitudes, it's blessed are these kind of people. Blessed are, it's very vague, it's very open. It's like anybody who does this. And suddenly, 
he switches his language and he says, blessed are you when you are persecuted, when you are insulted. And you can only imagine being there when Jesus is teaching and everything is very up in the air. Blessed are the meek, blessed are the poor. And suddenly he's like, blessed are you when you are persecuted, when you are insulted. And he makes it very clear, this is for you. And this is the only part in the Beatitudes that he makes it super clear, I'm talking directly to you. This relates to you. And I would say any of us that that consider ourselves disciples of Jesus, this is that part that he starts talking directly to us. This language is so clear. He's telling them, this will happen to you. Blessed are you. And those of you who know the lives of the disciples know that this was completely accurate. They were persecuted. They were hunted down. All of the things that we're talking about today. So this is one of those things where I think in generations past, it was easy to kind of keep persecution at arm's length of like, uh, I'm glad that we don't have to deal with that. But I think if we read this in its context, I think Jesus is talking directly to each of us. If we are his disciples, this is something we need to know. And this word persecution, if you, if you want to know what it means, it means to be kind of chased down, to be hunted, to be pursued. And that's not a great feeling, is it? To be pursued, to be chased, to be hunted down. But this is where he says, blessed are you when you are persecuted. And again, we talked about how in the Beatitudes, Jesus says something that doesn't make sense in our understanding. And so if I were to say, blessed are you when you're persecuted, does that make sense? Blessed are those who are hunted down, who are chased. But then he says, because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. But before we we get anywhere else, we have to understand that if you claim to be a Christian, if you are a disciple of Jesus, this is simply a reality in your life. It might look a little bit different than it looked for the disciples. Your, your version of persecution might look a little bit different. But this is what Jesus says in John chapter 15, verse 20. He says, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. And you got to think, Jesus was perfect and they persecuted him. We are not perfect, at least not yet. So if Jesus, who did it perfect, was persecuted, what are the odds that we're going to be persecuted when we're not at that level yet? He's basically promising us, you will face this stuff. You are promised persecution as a Christian. And so I'll say this, I don't think the question is really, why are we starting to face persecution as Christians? I think the question is, why haven't we been facing persecution as Christians when it's been promised to us? And this is where this message, I hope, is going to give you hope for whatever's going to come in the future. Because for a lot of us, and I think I felt this too, it's uncomfortable looking at the unknowns of what our faith is going to look like in the future. When we look and see what's going on in the world, for so long it was like we could feel really comfortable. You know, how we did church 100 years ago is we can keep doing it, and suddenly there's some tension of, I don't really know how this is all going to play out. I don't really know what might change, and that, that can be scary. And I hope 
for, for me, my hope for this message is that this will take away your fear. Because basically what Jesus is saying to his disciples is you do not need to fear this. Which again, doesn't make a lot of sense, but it's true. And we're going we're gonna to walk through, he talks about three specific parts of being persecuted. He, he lists three different avenues in which you might feel this in your life if you are a disciple. And I'm going to hopefully give you scripture today to show you why you don't have to be afraid of any of those three. So the first thing he says is, blessed are you when they insult you. How many of you like to be insulted? Right? There's something about being insulted that really sticks with you. Don't raise your hand, but how many of you can remember specific instances that you were insulted like 15 years ago? And you can remember it like it was yesterday. It's like, I, I don't remember what school I went to when I was a kid. You can ask, like, my brain doesn't remember stuff. It just dumps it. But I can remember times when I was 12. I mean, I'm 37, so that's what? You guys do the math. I don't want to do the math and hurt my feelings this morning. I can remember what I was wearing. I can remember who was there. I can remember what was said. I can remember the sounds of their laughter. There's something about being insulted that sticks with you very, very deeply. And this is, I know we can look at the disciples and we can be like, oh, they were beaten and tortured and all those things. But I think in, in this day and age, in, in the church where we are right now, if we were honest, I think this would be the one that we're the most scared of. This is the one that really gives us fear, is this idea of being insulted. And here's why. It's so interesting when you look at this word to be insulted, it means to be defamed or to be broken down. The most visual one, which I love, is, is to be unbraided, to be kind of torn apart and exposed. And none of us like that, do we? Like, this is what makes it so scary is, is all of us have these weaknesses. We have these parts of ourselves that we don't like very much, right? And what we do is we try to hide those things. We try to create facades and kind of put braids over ourselves to hide that so that no one can see those parts of us that, that we don't like. And when someone comes and insults you, they're, they're unbraiding that facade that you've made, and they're exposing all of those things that you don't like to the world. And it is a horrible feeling because it's like I've done all this work to kind of present myself a certain way, and this person is coming, and they are just tearing that apart. They're exposing me. They're breaking me down so that all of my weaknesses, all the stuff that I don't want anyone to see is exposed for the world. That's what it means to be insulted. That's why it hurts so much. That's why it, it sticks with us so much. Because a good insult, a good insult is true, right? That's what makes it hurt. If someone insulted me for, I don't know, trying to think, insulted me for having blonde hair, I, would it bother me? No, because I don't. It's like I'd be able to brush that off and be like, I don't know why anyone, that was the only thing I could think of off the top of my head. So if you have blonde hair, I'm definitely not insulting you this morning. But it hurts because it's true. Because there is a weakness that you're hiding. There is parts of you that you don't like very much. That you've worked really hard to braid over. And somebody is now coming, taking all that hard work and just tearing it apart. So that 
your weaknesses are exposed for the world. And here's where I got to be just real. If you are a Christian, you will be insulted. I'm just going to lay it out. That is part of being a Christian. First Peter chapter 4, verse 14 says, If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of glory and God rests on you. It's almost word for word what Jesus says in the Beatitudes, this idea that you're going to be insulted, but it's a blessing to be insulted. Right here it says, because the glory of God rests on you. That, that's hard to believe, isn't it? How many of you have been really insulted and then you're like, yeah, I can really feel the glory of God right now on me. It doesn't feel that way. It's hard. It's really hard to do. But I will promise you, this is a, this is a tactic of, of anything in life. If somebody disagrees with a belief of yours, it is easier to show how weak you are as a person than it is to show how weak your belief is, especially when it comes to the Bible, because the Bible is strong. It is real. It is true. So they do not want to try to expose the weakness of the Bible. So instead, they're going to try to expose the weakness of you because it's much easier to do that because you do have weaknesses. And there are parts of you that, that you don't like very much. And so you have to understand this is going to happen. People will try to unravel you as a person. They're going to try to show the world that because you have all these weaknesses, because there's these parts of you that aren't very pretty, that then they can say, so the truth that you believe must not be real. And you got you to just understand that this is going to be part of life. And I have unfortunately seen a lot of, a lot of people who have professed faith fall apart at being insulted because it just broke them down too much. So we have to be ready for this. And here's the thing is if your ministry, remember, we're all called to ministry. It might look different. Some of you, it's like your family. That's your ministry or, or whatever. But if your ministry is built on the fact that you don't have any weaknesses, then this is going to work. They are going to cut your whole ministry off at, at your knees because they are going to expose your weaknesses to the world. And so that's why for some of us, if it's built on how good we are, how, how much we've gotten rid of all our weaknesses, then this is going to work. But here is why we as Christians do not need to be afraid of being insulted, is because we actually don't need to be afraid of our weaknesses being shown. Do you guys know that? That's one of the beautiful things about being a Christian, is you don't have to be afraid of people seeing your weaknesses. This is, a, this is a part of scripture that I think that if we understood this, it would completely change how we lived our lives. So this is 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10. This is Paul. He says, That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. This is what he's saying is expose all my weaknesses. Go ahead. Show the world how weak I am because that actually benefits me. Because what the Bible says is that the Spirit of God, the Word is, sets up camp in our weaknesses. That's where even back to the Beatitudes, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. You see, our weaknesses don't disqualify us. Our weaknesses actually just make space for God's 
strength to be shown in us. That's why when he was writing to Timothy, he says, what an honor that we as jars of clay get to show the world that this all-surpassing power is from God and not us. If we didn't have any weaknesses, then we could just claim that it's because we're so good. Right? If, if I, as your pastor, had no weaknesses, then is God really working, or am I just that great of a pastor? Well, I've got plenty of weaknesses, so we don't have to worry about that. So when God does something, it doesn't show how good I am. It shows how good God is. That's the beauty. Go ahead and expose me. Go ahead and insult me, unravel me, show the world all of the ways that I am not where I need to be yet. Show the world all the ways that I have weaknesses, that I could be better, and you're not going to destroy my ministry. You're going to strengthen it because then when God moves, they're going to say, wow, how strong must God be if he can use a guy like that? That's the beauty of weaknesses. And that's why we don't have to fear insults because you're actually doing me a favor by showing the world my weaknesses because the Bible says that when I'm weak, the strength of God is shown even more through my life. So it's kind of, I hate to go back to Star Wars, but I will. But it's kind of like when Obi-Wan says, strike me down, I'll be more powerful. It's show my weakness, expose me to the world, and all it's going to show is how strong God is. Because when he uses me, then someone can say, whoa, if God can use that person who does not have it all together yet, then what kind of God must that be? It doesn't take our ministry away. It props it up because now the world can see that your ministry is built on the strength of God and not on your own strength. And that's a good thing. And so that's where Jesus said, blessed are you when you are insulted. Not because it doesn't hurt, because it does, and I'm going to be honest with you, it'll still hurt. It's still going to be a hard thing to walk through, but your ministry will be strengthened as long as it is built on what God is doing and not on how good you are. And so we don't have to be afraid of insults. Go ahead. Show the world all the ways that I'm not where I need to be yet. It's not going to stop what God is doing. And if anything, it's going to make people respect God more that he can use somebody like me. So we don't have to be afraid of insults. They will hurt, but we don't have to be afraid of them as Christians because they will not stop what God is doing. So that's the first part. He says, blessed are you who are insulted. And then he goes and, and reiterates again, persecuted. And like I said, this word means to be chased down, to be hunted, to be pursued. And it specifically talks about the, the, the weariness of it. If you guys have ever played any sport where someone's like chasing you, it's like the weariness gets to you. In fact, this is, this is part of how we used to hunt as humans. Have you, any of you guys ever heard of something called persistence hunting? You know what that is? It's really interesting because when, when we didn't have like guns and bows and arrows and stuff like that, it's hard for us to kill an animal. I mean, go out in the woods with your hands and go try to kill an animal. It's really, really hard to do. So how did we eat? Well, we had one huge advantage in the animal kingdom is that we can cool down while running. There's really no other animal that can do that. If you look at like a, a dog, it, it needs to pant to cool down. It can't do that while it's running. So even though we weren't the fastest, what we could do is just keep chasing and keep chasing. And sure, the animal would outrun us, 
But then as soon as it stopped to cool down, we would come over the hill and it'd have to start running again. And pretty soon it would get so overheated that it would either die of, of being overheated or it just would re refuse to get back up and we could kill it. It's, it's a really scary form of hunting called persistence hunting. Now, here's why I tell this story is sometimes that's what life feels like, doesn't it? It feels like you're just kind of being pushed and being pursued. And it's like you can get away from it, but you're always kind of tired and you can never seem to catch your breath. And the weariness starts to catch up and it starts to catch up. And you can keep running, but each time it's harder. Each time you're a little more out of breath than you were the last time. And that weariness of feeling constantly chased, constantly pushed against gets to you. And sometimes that's how the Christian life feels. Is, is it almost feels like when you're in the middle of a, of a river that's got a pretty good current and like you're just trying to like hold your ground. At first it's fine, but eventually those muscles start to get tired of trying to push against everything that's pushing against you and you start to get really tired and you start to get really weary. And that's kind of, I think if I'm being honest, there's probably a lot of us right now that feel that weariness of being constantly pushed against, constantly a little out of breath, weary, can't quite catch their breath. And that's something that a lot of us struggle with, and we just get tired of that. I remember I've said, I've said this before to, to Leslie. I'm like, it, like with that analogy of, of trying to hold your ground in, in a river that's got a current, is it's like, I feel like I'm working way too hard to stand still. Have any of you guys ever felt that? It's like, man, I feel like I'm working way too hard to just stand still. But that's what life as a Christian feels like sometimes. But here's what the Bible says. This is Hebrews chapter 12, verse 3. It says, Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. You see, Jesus knew that we were going to get tired. And so what he did is he modeled for us what it looks like to endure. You see, you look, at, you look at the ministry of Jesus and he dealt with that same thing. The Pharisees and the religious leaders were always hunting him, trying to push him into a corner, trying to trap his words. He was constantly being pursued and he was having to push against everything. And yet it says he endured even to the cross. And what the Bible says is that as we consider, which means to think about, to meditate, to actually pay attention to the life of Jesus, that weariness starts to dissipate a little bit. And that's the beauty of this idea of getting tired, is that we have a Savior that we can look to for inspiration. Now, I'm not going to say you're never going to be tired, because that's not true. And I'm not going to say that you, you're never going to have to make some changes so that maybe you're not running quite so hard in your life. But when it comes to your faith, of just enduring and holding on to your faith, when everything seems to be pushing you and trying to back you away, you can remember who Jesus is. You can remember his life. And the Bible says that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And that's a promise that we have. And that's why we don't have to worry about the, the weariness and the exhaustion because the Bible tells us that as we really remember who Jesus is, as we really look at who Jesus is, you know, that's why we sang this morning, give me Jesus. And there's, there's been times in my life um, where 
I've, I've, I've sang a lot of complicated worship songs that are beautiful, that I love. But there's been times in my life where the simplest ones that just talk about Jesus and his name have completely broken me down. And it's because you get to that state of weariness and you, you have to go back to your, your core, who Jesus is, how he lived his life. And the Bible says you don't have to worry about getting tired. So we have being insulted. We have being persecuted, being hunted, being pursued. And then we've got one more that he specifically talks about, and that's being lied about. Blessed are you when they lie about you. And this is actually really important because this is something we don't talk about all that much is make people lie about you. Don't give them real ammunition. You know what I mean? The Bible specifically says, blessed are the people who, if someone wants to talk bad about you, they have to actually make up lies. And they will. I mean, that's just kind of the, the way it works is, is they will make up lies. But the Bible specifically says it's, it's much better if you force people to make up lies than if you just do things so that they don't have to even make anything up, right? That's not a good thing if they don't have to even make anything up, if they can just point out things. And that's the difference between, yes, we are going to have weaknesses that it's hard to expose, that it's hard to have exposed, but we also want to be careful to live our lives in such a way that if someone wants to slander our name, it's not easy for them to do it. And, and it's kind of different on those things. So I want to bring you to, to 1 Peter chapter 3. And, and here Peter is talking about how you're, you're probably going to suffer in this life. Like those of you who have been around for a while know that that's kind of part of life is, is you are going to suffer. But, but he specifically says, make people lie about you. Because what's going to happen is others are going to see the truth and it's going to validate the truth that you speak. So this is 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 17. It says, For it is better, if it is God's will, to suffer for doing good than doing evil. And this is kind of one of those things where I hesitate to say it, but I think I have to, is sometimes what we as Christians call persecution isn't really persecution. It's just that we have not been doing what we're supposed to be doing and we get called out for it, right? There's a difference. So if I walked up to you and I just kicked you in the shins as hard as I could, any of you guys been kicked in the shins? It hurts a lot. And then you punch me in the face and I go, I'm being persecuted. Is that persecution or is that retaliation? Or is that just what you get for kicking someone in the shins? You might get punched in the face. That's not persecution if you do that. And this is where we have to be careful as Christians. Is if we've been doing nasty things, it might not be persecution. We Make people make it up. Make people lie about you. Because then what's going to happen? The Bible tells us the truth will come out. That's why you don't have to be worried about if people lie about you because the Bible promises the truth will come out. So you don't have to be afraid of that. But if people have truth about you that is not good, then we don't really have that promise to, to hold on to anymore because the truth has already been out. In fact, the truth is the thing that's hurting us. And that's why we do have to be careful even what we call persecution is that make people lie. Because I guarantee if someone has to make something up about you, the truth is going to come out. 
I've seen it happen. You're, there's going to be enough people to go, ah, I've hung out with Eric a lot, and I've known Eric for a long time. What you're saying doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. And eventually the truth is going to come out. And now not only are you going to be vindicated, but that person who made something up has now made it so that no one will believe them anymore. So it's like, you don't have to be afraid if someone makes something up about you. Trust the truth is going to come out and trust that when the truth does come out, not only are you going to now be exactly where you were before, but that person who made those things up has invalidated their word for the rest of their life. And so we don't have to be afraid of it, but make people make stuff up. That's kind of the biggest thing they says is if, if we suffer because we've done something dumb, that's not really persecution. That's just consequences. So make sure you're suffering for something that they had to make up about you. And this is where persecution, just the word, is uncomfortable, right? When I, when I even said it this morning, you probably got a little uncomfortable because it's scary. But this is the beauty of the Beatitudes is Jesus basically said, you're going to have to deal with these things. People are going to insult you. You're going to be pursued and pressed and pushed. You're going to get tired. That's going to happen. And people are going to lie about you. But you don't have to be afraid. In fact, you're blessed. There's good things coming when that happens. To the point where if we as Christians are never experiencing these things, we should be concerned. We should be concerned if no one is insulting us, if no one's trying to push against what we're doing, if no one is, is trying to spread lies about us, we should be concerned. Because not only does the Bible promise that that will happen to us, but it also says that, that there's blessings that come from that. And so we should be a little bit salty about it and be like, why isn't anyone insulting me? I want my blessings here. Why isn't anyone making up lies about me? I want my blessings because this is what the Bible says. So we don't have to be afraid about what's coming. We don't have to be afraid about any of that because we know, hey, if somebody insults me, if they expose all my weaknesses, all that's going to show is how strong God is. I don't have to be afraid of that. Why would we be afraid of people seeing how strong God is in our life? I don't have to be worried about being pursued and pressed and worn down because I know that when I get weary, the Bible has promised me that by meditating and, and rethinking about who Jesus is and what his life was, getting back to the core of what my faith is about will keep me from getting weary. And we don't have to worry about people making up lies about us because the Bible says the truth will come out if it's a lie. And so today I hope that as, as Jesus did with his disciples and just said, hey, I want to be honest. If you're going to do this thing for real, Here's what's going to happen, but you don't need to be afraid. I want to speak that same thing to each of you. If you claim Jesus and you're like, I'm a disciple, I'm all in, these things will happen, but you don't need to be afraid. In fact, these things actually lead to blessings in your life. And so hopefully I've, I've instilled some hope in you. And really what the Bible says is that persecution is not something to be feared. The question is, and the question that I, that I want you guys to just meditate on today is what's more important, the kingdom of God or my comfort? Because that's the biggest thing that persecution threatens. It's not our lives as much as our comfort, right? It's not our ministry as much as our comfort. Because yes, when you're insulted, it is uncomfortable. 
I promise you that, yes. When you're persecuted, it is uncomfortable. When you're pressed against, it is uncomfortable. When someone makes lies up about you, it is uncomfortable. But the real question is, what's more important? Being uncomfortable, but receiving the kingdom, or staying where we're comfortable, but leaving all of these blessings on the table? And that's the choice that for each of us, and for the church in general, that we have to make, especially in this day and age. So if you guys will stand, I want to pray. I want to pray over you. Lord, I thank you that we do not need to be afraid. God, no matter what is coming, Lord, no matter if we are insulted, if we are lied about, if we are pursued, if we are pressed against, Lord, we don't need to be afraid. We don't need to look around at what's happening in this world and be afraid, Lord, because yes, will things get uncomfortable? Probably. But Lord, your word has said that your kingdom is still going to move forward even when things get uncomfortable. So we don't need to be afraid. If, we, if we're all in on your kingdom, Lord, there's blessings that are going to come from all of it. So Lord, I thank you. I pray that for each of us, you give us that, that hope and that, that security to know that no matter what happens, that your strength is going to be shown in our life if we stay true to you, if we don't get weary, if we don't give up. So Lord, I thank you. And I pray that, Lord, even as some of us are walking out and in our workplace we're going to be insulted, or Lord, by, by, by different people in our lives we might be lied about, or, or G, even just with some of our friends that are, that are constantly trying to push us to, to give up some of our, our convictions, to just push us into giving up who we know we're supposed to be, Lord, that we would not grow weary, that we would hold firm to your word, to what truth is, Lord God and that all of these promises would be true for us, Lord. We pray this in your name. Amen.